Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle. I'm your host, Alex Alvisu. This is episode 81. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that you can visit thedadchronicle.com to subscribe to this podcast for free. Make sure that you're not missing a single episode. And also, while you're there, check out our patron rewards. Lots of awesome stuff to take advantage of if you are a patron. And special thanks to our latest patron, Gary Fisher. He was on the show a couple episodes ago. So thank you again, Gary, for your words of wisdom, uh, for being an awesome dad, and then also for being a patron of this show. Every little bit helps. On today's episode, I talked to Kevin Williams. Kevin and I used to work together. And one thing that I learned after we worked together was what an inspiring dad he is. Kevin comes from a background fostering kids. He raised three daughters of his own and then welcomed uh, gosh, a plethora of other kids into his home after his daughters left. First, we talk about how he and his wife became foster parents in the first place. She, you know, started saying, you know, I've been kind of watching you guys and um, I'm wondering if you guys are are interested in being foster parents and I'll tell you why. We talk about some of the challenges around fostering kids. One of the things they try to teach you when you're coming into fostering is, you know, try as best you can not to get attached. Um, but how do you not get attached no, to that. little children that you've raised for five, six, seven, eight years as your as as if they were your own? And finally, we talk about some of the ways that you can change a child's life by becoming a foster parent. We treated them like they were special, like the special kids that they really were. Please enjoy this very inspiring conversation I had with Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams, thanks for being on the Dad Chronicle. How are you, sir? Fantastic, fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, it's been great keeping in touch with you. We used to work together, um, and it, you've always been somebody that I've always admired, um, especially your your focus on family, on responsibility, and and I've really admired some of, uh, some of the posts that I've seen, especially around Facebook. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about your experience as a father um, and fostering kids. So, uh, before we really jump into a lot of that, Kevin, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to the world? Wow. Well, my name is Kevin Williams. I am the husband of my beautiful bride, Michelle of 35 years, and we've got three fantastic daughters, 13 grandchildren, and a host of foster sons that we've raised, uh, for a period of about, uh, over 20 years. Um, we own three businesses. Uh, we have an IT company. My wife owns a, a STEAM learning center. And we have a, a company that teaches uh, life-saving CPR and some basic, uh, some basic life-saving skills. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that, you, uh, that you, you owned a company that teaches people how to do CPR and stuff. That's really neat. Uh, oh, yeah. What got you into that? Um, the fact that there are so many people, particularly uh, the African-American community and the Hispanic community in Prince William County, uh, that are, are just not trained in the, the basic skills of CPR. CPR. Yeah, that's fair. So, hey, the, there's, a, there's a need. Fill it. That's great. Ab- absolutely. So why don't we, um, we talk a little bit about your family dynamics. So let, let's start with, um, with your daughters. So you have three daughters. Uh, between you and your and your wife, is that right? That's correct. So my oldest uh, is thirty five. My middle daughter is thirty one, and my youngest just turned thirty. Wow. Um, so it was just uh, the three girls and mom 
and me for a long time in the house. So uh, I got a chance to to really um, to learn how to love girls um, because I had those four girls in, in my life, you know, around the clock. And I was raised primarily with boys. So it was kind of the, the opposite dynamic. I had one sister um, and God knew what he was doing by giving me girls because I probably would have been too hard on the boys. So it was uh, – <laughs> It was interesting raising those three, raising those three girls. I uh, had a had a wonderful time doing it. They're all doing very well. All married, husbands are doing well. Uh, of course, they married guys that were just like their dad, so they don't have any problems in, in that department. So, uh, so life is life is good in that arena. Uh, grandbabies, grandbabies, thirteen of those grand munchkins. Good Lord, okay, I was about to ask you exactly how many because I've seen a plethora of children. I'll just leave it like that. A yeah, plethora. 13. 13. Good Lord. That's amazing. What a blessing. Yeah, it is. Our house. Actually, we just sent the last one home for uh, the summer over the summer break. We typically keep all 13 of them at the same time for a whole week throughout the summer. My gosh. What are the age ranges? uh, So the youngest is a year. Just turned a year old. And the oldest, Landis, is... Uh, 12. Wow. Yeah. So, and they're stair step. I mean, one, two, three, four, five. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, six. that's There's right. a set of twins that are 11 and Landis is the oldest at 13. Wow, man. Well, that is amazing. Well. Amazing. Um, and gosh, okay. So you have all those kids and yeah. then, oh, and yeah. then you also have foster kids. Oh um, my gosh. Let's, let's yes. talk about that. Uh, that, dynamic and actually even before we really jump into that what inspired you to decide to start fostering kids in the first place well it's interesting um well my mom fostered kids for years and uh i was always you know amazed and impressed at the 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 way that the children's lives were uh corralled by someone who could just give them uh, a little love and some and some discipline and provide a nurturing environment for them. So I was able to witness that through my mother for a number of years. And uh, as Michelle and I uh, were close to finish raising ours, I think our last two daughters were still at home. They're in their junior and senior years of high school. Uh, we were approached by a lady in our church and she, you know, started saying, you know, I've been kind of watching you guys and um, I'm wondering if you guys are are interested in being foster parents and I'll tell you why. So I looked at Michelle, she looked at me and we listened and she had a case where she had three sons. Uh, the youngest was two and the oldest was seven. Um, and they were about to go into the system because their mother was in jail the father was in a halfway house and they were living with their grandparents who were both elderly and uh sickly and they were um picked up on the street at one o'clock in the morning including the baby and cps you know had made the determination that the grandparents weren't able to take care of the kids and at the time they did not have any family that could take all three of the boys at the same time and not have them separated. So when she shared with us the story, you know, we looked at each other and said, 
there's no way in the world we can let these three little boys be separated so young in age yeah. when we have the time, the energy, the space and the resources to to help to, to help them. So so that was our entree in the foster care. We did a crash course on uh, foster care with the with the agency and reviewed the kids files and understood exactly you know what was going on uh, and made the determination to take them in. And from there. Uh, the boys uh, were delivered, you know, here to to our home, and uh, we had them here with us for about seven years uh, before the two youngest were adopted, and the third went on to um, a facility because he just was a bit of a handful, and the adopting parents uh, only wanted the two young younger ones. Mm. Let's let's actually walk through that. What what was it like when those boys walked in the house and for you guys to have, you know, new kids in the house and, and what, what was that uh, relationship like, that dynamic like? So, it was uh it was interesting. We made the the conscious decision uh after that we had the boys to uh to take boys because g- girls were uh, were they're just a little tougher to deal with when you have an, an older male in the home. Um, but the dynamic was, 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 was interesting in that, you know, these were little, these were little, little people again. We had little people in the house again. Right. Um, and, uh, and they had come from, you know, the inner city. So the oldest uh, was very, very protective, almost like a father to the younger ones. He wanted to change the diapers. He wanted to feed them. He wanted to give them baths, uh, and wow. we were like, "Okay, hold on, you know, man, we 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 understand your role, you know, all of the things that you've been exposed to for the last couple of years, uh, but right now we just need you to be seven. <laughs> we need you to, you know, get on your bike. We bought them, you know, bikes. We had to, we bought them all new clothes. They came with nothing but their clothes in a in a, in a trash bag. Wow." Um, so we bought them toys. They had their own bedrooms. You know, they could experience, you know, uh, having, you know, a meal at, you know, when we're supposed to have meal, lunchtime and dinner time, sitting down at the table and having conversations and going to church. And um, they were in an environment that they had never been in before. So for them, it was kind of a fresh Prince of Bel-Air experience. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was tough because the oldest child had the the biggest. He had the most problems or the most concerns in that you know he was he was the provider and the caregiver for his family. And that's all he knew was taking care of them. And we worked really hard with him to get him to understand that you know that's not his job anymore. His job now is just is just to be himself, to take care of himself, and we will take care of all of them. So it was a tough transition for him, but. The other boys did fine. They uh, they have all done very very well uh, up to the point uh, of being adopted, and uh, we're still we still keep in touch with them. Uh, they're doing really well. The adoption piece was tough uh, because you know they've been here for seven years, and one of the things they try to teach you when you're coming into fostering is you know try as best you can not to get attached. Um, but how do you not get attached no, to that. little children that you've raised for five, six, seven, eight years as your as as if they were your own? That so. is, that's right. I mean, they they were so young when you got them. 
Like, yeah. it's hard not to. And for that older one, how long did it take? I mean, did he ever come to trust you guys as sort of caregivers in that well, sense? Well, he, he, he did. As a matter of fact, um, probably three years ago, uh, I was uh, playing a church event. I played the guitar in a couple of church choirs. And uh, I was at a church event, and he was staying with the family um, in Prince William County, um, and the family actually attended our church, but he didn't attend on a regular basis, but he knew that I played the guitar on first Sunday. So he came to church on that Sunday. So after services were over, I think he was probably 15, 15 at the time, 16. Um, and I was packing up my gear, uh, and I looked over the railing and he was standing right in front of me. So, uh, and he had these, he had these big tears in his eyes and he was like, what's wrong? And he just grabbed me and hugged me and said, you know, Mr. Kevin, I, I did not understand all of the things that you were trying to show me when we were with you. Uh, but I can tell you that all, after all that I've been through, you know, I understand them now. And I just wanted to come to here today and say, thank you. Wow. And boy, it just melted like a Hershey bar on a hot summer day. Um, these kids teach you so much. Um, and in, in some instances, they teach teach you more than you're trying to teach them. Yeah. Um, about just compassion and empathy and, and understanding, you know, where they've come from and trying to help them to understand, you know, all the places they can they can go if they just you know, figure out that, you know, the world is not against them. And there are lots of people out here that are willing, you know, to, to help them if in some cases they would just let, let, let them. Yeah. What is he up to these days? You mentioned that he went away to a facility of some kind. Like, what is he doing these days? So he's doing well. He actually lives in Alexandria. He's doing, uh, he's doing one, doing, doing wonderful. The other ones, uh, the youngest just graduated from high school. Um, and the middle, middle, middle fella is in community college. He's going to community college. Beautiful. They live in, they live in Maryland. Wow. Very cool. So, so yeah. how, okay. Were they the only foster kids that you guys had? Did you guys have other foster kids? Oh no. So after, after, <laughs> after the brothers, uh, transitioned out, we had one guy, uh, to come, you know, stay with us. He was a fire starter, so he didn't last here very long. <laughs> like literally um, a fire starter. Oh yeah, he, oh, he liked to he liked to start fires and and that kind of stuff. So I was like, no, we he it's just a little too much for us. And the others that came after him, uh, we had as many as three, four at the same time. Wow. So we've had in every race, every creed, we, we've had them all. That's beautiful. Um, and just interesting challenges. And almost every one of them had come from a juvenile detention facility. So uh, we had one guy, man, I tell you, when we got him from the facility, he looked like Charles Manson. And Michelle was like, nope, let's go. We're done. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not even interviewing. And I wow. said, no, hold on, hold on. There's something in his eyes. You know, we read, we, we, one of the things we did as foster parents, um, which a lot of foster parents, believe it or not, do not do, is they review the the file of the foster child. Um, 
so that we have some kind of idea of their history. Some agencies give you a snapshot of the child that you're receiving, but I didn't want just a snapshot. I mean, I we're bringing people into our home uh, to provide a safe place for them to do all the things that they need to do. I need to know as much about you as possible so that we can as closely as possible create the kind of fit that's beneficial for them and beneficial for us with the least amount of risk. So we poured through their files. We made sure that they were a good fit, you know, for us. Um, then they came to our house for a visit and then they would maybe spend a night or two. And then we would make the determination as to how, you know, we would, uh, we would select them to, uh, to actually stay. So we've had, you know, 15, 14, 15, uh, Young guys stay with us over the course of 20 years. And um, the last guy (laughs) that left us, God, he came to us at uh, 13 and he left at 21, at 21 years old. Wow. uh, Yeah, he came to us with a record longer than your arm. Uh, And by the time he left us, uh, he had a associate's degree and he now works for the CIA. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what is the, the secret sauce that, that Kevin and Michelle bring to the table as far as parenting goes that helps turn these kids' lives around? Um, no, no, normalcy, trying to, to create, you know, a sense of normalcy for them. You know, the stigmas that go along with fostering, um, none of those things were allowed to reside here. I mean, we took our kids shopping, they got clothes, you know, the clothes that they wanted, you know, we had food available to them. We've had kids come here that had, you know, every problem under the sun. They had, were struggling with, uh, issues from their own sexuality to being molested, uh, to not having enough food or not having proper, you know, uh, um, parenting at home. We just needed them to feel at home. You know, they had their own space, their own rooms, their own bathrooms. Uh, we went through the same, we, we treated them as if they were our own kids. We loved them. We, we provided, you know, the amount of structure that they needed to make sure that they got their education, to make sure they, you know, played soccer. We found out what their passions were. If you like to draw, We've got them in art classes. If you like to play soccer or play musical instruments, you know, they were in the marching band. They played, you know, sports at school. We went to all of their events. You just have to melt them into your home as if they're your own, your own kids. And once they felt comfortable enough to know that they could come downstairs and go in the pantry and get food whenever they were hungry you know, they, they weren't relegated to their room like you hear some, you know, foster kids say that, you know, we have to stay in our room. They give us a sandwich and an apple, you know, and tell us don't come out until we call. We took our kids on vacation with us. Mm. We took we've had experience crying experiences where we took our kids to, to a hotel and they had never been to a hotel. They never stayed at the Holiday Inn with a pool. You know, they had never gone to the beach. You know, we took them to bowl games in and, and, and Florida and the Gator Bowl, and uh, we took them to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, and we just, we took we treated them like they were special, like the special kids that they really were. Yeah. Uh, and that was the difference. You know, a lot of the agencies, uh, especially the agencies that have children who are therapeutic, 
Um, my guess, I'll say, um, is that, you know, the more medication that these children are on and the more issues that they may have therapeutically, the more money the agency gets paid. Mm. Um, and a lot of the kids that we had didn't need medication. They just needed some love. They needed some time, some attention. Um, they needed to know that they, um, uh, were in a place where they could feel safe, you know, and we were able to get them off of the medications and the agencies went ballistic. You know, you can't do that. You're not, that's not your job. You're just supposed to house these kids. I'm like, wait a minute. No, we're not just supposed to house these kids. And if you think that's what we're doing, you got you have the wrong family. Um, we're here to love and nurture and to train and to provide encouragement yeah. uh, to, to, the, to these kids. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So if you need anything different to be done with them, you might want to just go ahead and release them to us because we'll be filing to have the kids removed from your agency and placed in another one. Yeah, look, and, do you mind if we actually dive into the agency piece a little bit? First of all, sure. um, how does it work between the agencies, Child Protective Services? What's that relationship? So the Child Protective Services don't come into play unless there is an, an issue with the child's safety. Um, the children are typically placed um, from whatever their situation is from Child Protective Services with the state or with the county or with an agency. Um, so once the child is, is, is placed with us, the agency is responsible uh, for the child as the child is, is in essence a ward of the state or a ward of the agency. So our agreement comes uh, into play with the agency to take care of the child and provide, right. you know, food and clothing and shelter and uh, all the things that they need until the determination is made that the child either is going to be returned back to his parents or a determination is made to not return them back to their parents. And then the decision is made at some point whether they stay in the system uh, as foster children or they go up for adoption. So what was it like working with these agencies? Was it, was it difficult? It was, it was interesting uh, in that, you know, some of these agencies um, the hire these, the, the younger uh, kids that are just out of college with no, no children of their own. So they have, no idea what it's like to raise a child and you know they want to come in and tell you the rules and what you can do and what you can't do and i'm like you know hang on here folks i mean they're not all the same but the vast majority of them are sure um and then the more degree they are i think the more special they think they are but you know my question to each and every one of them has always been how many kids do you have yeah how many kids have you raised you know how many black kids have you raised Mm. Uh, i'm sorry none yeah. So uh, look around you. You know, I've raised three girls. I've raised a nephew that was my sister's son who stayed with us for seven years while she was in a halfway house. Um, you guys really can't tell me too much about how to raise kids. And, you know, uh, with all due respect, these kids are all doing well. They're all in school. They're all getting good grades. Their probations and their their 
their um, their records, their criminal records, in most cases, have been completely expunged by the judge because they're doing so well here. I just need you guys to come, you know, check on them and make sure they're alive and they're breathing and they're doing well and and get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so the relationships with them sometimes was tenuous. Um, but the ones that understood that the kids were doing well understood that that's just one child that they didn't have to pay a whole lot of attention to. Uh, because they were doing so well, and it was proven in their grades and their activity. They weren't allowed to hang out at night. They weren't allowed to go to the mall and hang with their buddies and that kind of stuff. Their structure. So um, the relationship with the agencies got better over time. But in the beginning, it was tough. It was really, really yeah. tough. They had nothing in place for the kids to be enrolled in school properly. We had some foster parents that we had... Um, uh, seen and talked to that had foster kids assigned to them that wouldn't wouldn't have started school for a month, a month and a half. You know, they're just at home all day. I'm like, how do you do that? Our kids, Damn. when they got assigned to us, they were in school the next Monday. They were enrolled in school. So uh, we didn't waste any time getting these guys, you know, on a program um that was designed specifically for them to be as successful as they could possibly be uh, and to, and to have fun and to be a kid and to learn how to play instruments and to listen to music and to watch movies and to go on vacation. Just be, just be a kid, just, just, just be a kid and, and know that at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, the middle of the day and the end of the day, you're loved just like you're one of ours. So yeah, uh, it worked out well for us and it worked out extremely well for, for all of them. None of our kids aged out of the system, strung out, locked up in jail on, they weren't on drugs. They weren't out prostituting. They weren't, you know, sex trafficked. None of our kids aged out with any of the negative stigmas that uh, rest with the typical foster child. None, that's, none of that's amazing, Kevin. That is beautiful. You know, uh, you mentioned a lot here how you've grown really close with the kids. How close are you with them today? Are, are they all involved with you guys? Family? They occasions? are. As a matter of fact, uh, we were sitting at, at dinner the other night. Uh, Michelle and I, we're empty nesters now. The kids are all gone, of course. Um, and uh, we heard a knock at the door. Um, the a knock at the inside door, the garage door. We heard the garage door. They still have the codes. So I think they still get in. <laughs> um, and That's it was great. dinner time. So they, they knocked on the door, opened the door, and it was three of them. Uh, all the three of them together. They all still keep in touch, too. I mean, they're brothers. Yeah. Um, so they came in. We were eating dinner. We were about halfway through. Uh, we still had, you know, some food left, you know, in the oven and on the stove. So they came in, washed their hands, made plates. And for whatever we didn't have enough of, they went into the refrigerator and made sandwiches and whatever they could find to put on a plate. And we sat there for two or three hours uh, just laughing and talking. And uh, they come every year at Christmas time. You know, we take pictures. Michelle buys the pajamas for all the kids and the grandkids. They get pajamas, too. Um, two or three of them have their own kids now. They come and they get pajamas oh. too. So it's just one big happy family. So we're engaged and involved with 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 all of them. Uh, one just graduated from uh, the University of Nebraska. He got a job working downtown with an IT company. Another one works for Adidas. Uh, he's a social media manager for Adidas. 
Uh, one works for the CIA. Uh, two of them are still in college. I think one works for a landscaping company uh, in Prince William County. They're all doing. They're all doing well. It really sounds like they're all functioning members of society. Exactly the product that you want from a program like this. Exactly. Exactly. Every single one of them, with the exception of one that we don't hear much from. We had, we had heard at one time that he'd gotten himself in a little bit of trouble, but um, it wasn't something that we didn't really expect from him because he had a little bit tougher of a road to hoe than some of the other guys. Um, one of them moved back to Tennessee um, to take care of his uncle and aunt who were, who were elderly uh, as far as we know, he's doing relatively well. They're all, I mean, for the most part, doing rel- doing very doing very well. You see, and, and something that really comes out uh, in this conversation with you is the passion, the the love for these kids. What does it mean to you to be a foster parent? I think for 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 me, uh, the example of fostering. Um, we made it easy for folks who, um, in situations where we had, you know, we'd heard about from individuals that attend our church and folks that are in our community that that either could not have children of their own uh, for medical reasons, um, we were able to show other people that, you know, fostering is a is a wonderful, it's an amazing thing to do. It's not for everybody. Um, there. Are, have been harrowing experiences where um, there's just situations that you would never hope to have to endure as mm-hmm. if they were your own, if they were your own children, mm-hmm. um, teachable moments, you know, around the, around the clock. It means, it means everything to me to know that we are able to care for people who can't care for themselves, which you know, it's a huge problem in society all by itself. I mean, we yeah. walk past people every day and we don't know what their situation is, but, you know, a smile, you know, uh, a banana, <laughs> you know, a bottle of water, you know, a couple of dollars could literally be the difference between someone passing by you and committing suicide um, yeah. that we're able to, to change. We're able to make a difference in the lives of these kids. You know, and in the lives of their parents who were, for whatever reason, unable to care for them. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, I, my attorney now um, that that does all of our legal work was the uncle of one of our foster sons. His life situation with his wife and their children didn't allow for them to, to, to care for their nephew, their own flesh and blood. Mm. Uh, and they came to us at the end and said, you know, when he was finally you know, aged out and, and went off to college. They, they came here and had dinner and, and said, you know, we can't thank you guys enough for what you've been able to, you've changed his life. You've changed our lives and whatever you need, you know, you just let us know. He's my attorney today. Wow. <laughs> so starting three businesses and whatever I needed from a legal perspective. I mean, this, he came around and just, you know, he takes care of all of our stuff, you know, for us. That's beautiful. Um, so that was unexpected. You know, we weren't, you know, fostering so we could get free legal services forever. <laughs> um, it just it just happened yeah. to be that way. But, I mean, to be, to be able to make a difference in the life of a child uh, that's not your own child, um, it just speaks volumes to the fact that there is hope for us. There's hope for us as a people. Yeah. Um, if we would just simply, you know, take the time to take 
the focus off of ourselves and take a look at what we can do to enhance, you know, the life and the quality of life of other people besides ourselves. Mm-hmm. That um, just makes life so much more worth living. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanted to to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, some of the challenges that you've mentioned, for instance, uh, are, should really resonate to people who are interested in fostering kids. Um, I don't think that the, that the focus should necessarily be on the negative and rather it should really be on the positive. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think that you've certainly exhibited a lot of that. When people may feel, you know, the calling to uh, foster kids, you know, where, where do they go to learn more information? How do they get the process started? How do they realize that, that it's right for them? Good question. Good question. So there are a number of agencies in every jurisdiction in Virginia uh, whose responsibility is to um, provide programs for children who are in care. So you can reach out to those agencies. Uh, the counties have an agency inside of their uh, Department of Social Services um, that you can reach out to to uh, find out uh, more about the programs that they have in place for foster care. Um, and then go to uh, a couple of uh, training sessions to find out you know, all of the things that are involved. Um, and, and after you, you know, engage them and find out the things that are involved and you decide that this is something that's right for you, just be a, just be a parent, you know, be, be the person that you need to be that provides the kind of care, love, nurturing, guidance, direction, correction, um, that these kids need for them to be, you know, to be kids that are whole. You know, that, you know, they they get the education that they need. They get the support that they need in school, whether it's tutoring or um, to be involved in extracurricular activities. Um, just be a parent, you know, provide them with the love and the structure that they need and follow the guidelines as best as possible and follow your gut, you know, as it relates to what these kids need, because there's no cookie cutter for a child. You know, every child is not the same, and the 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 uh, the binders that they give you with the instructions—they're a guideline. You know, for you know how the kids are to be cared for. They're not the catch-all and 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 be-all that's in a, a a white binder or a black binder. Those kids have life in them. They have personalities. They've got feelings. You know, and you need to attend to all of those. Right. Things. There's no such thing as a as an instruction manual for these kids. Sometimes I wish yeah. there was, but there is no such thing. <laughs> no, 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 no such thing. You you do what works for them, you know. As long as they're not, you know, hurting themselves or hurting each other or, you know, tearing up, you know, too much of your of of your house. I mean, you'll go through some of that too until folks, you know, calm down and figure out that hey, this is your house too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you just work through the issues, you know, you're as compassionate and sympathetic and empathetic as you need to be, um, and then provide them with some, some consistency and some structure and, you know, and hopefully God willing, you'll have, you know, the same successes that we, that, that, that we've been able to, to, to have that are lifelong, yeah. you know, all of our boys, they're, they're part of our family and they will be forever. 
um, until they, you know, do something really, really crazy, which, which I doubt, but, um, <laughs> but, the, but they're, they're here for the, they're here for the journey. When my kids have had kids, they've been to the hospital, they come and oh, cool. hold the kids. And I mean, it's, they're, they're a part of our family. So if you're looking to foster, uh, with anything other than to provide, you know, a safe and nurturing and loving environment for them, it's not, it's not, it's not, not the thing for you. Right. Um, okay. So let's actually rewind a little bit, you know, when you were, uh, fostering these kids, what sort of support did you have? Um, maybe from those around you, what sort of support do you wish maybe you, you would have had that you didn't have? Um, you know, just thinking about people out there who may know folks who are fostering kids, how can they best support people who are fostering kids? We were fortunate in that we really didn't need a lot of the support that we had other than um, the times where we had to, you know, have like a good cop, bad cop discussions with the kids. Um, and we've been in this community for, you know, for so long, there's not too much that goes on around that we don't know about, like when our kids would get in trouble. You know, or if we noticed that they were moving in a path or a pattern that would get them in trouble, I've got friends that are, you know, in the police department or in the fire department. And I could say, hey, I'm having a problem with, you know, child number three. You know, I need you to come to the house, knock on the door, ask for him by name, bring him down and put him in the back of the car and ride him around the neighborhood and tell him what's in store for him if he doesn't get his act together. And they did. Wow. <laughs> so, so. I had the kind of resources available to me uh, to do everything that I needed to do for these kids, um, but everybody doesn't doesn't have that. So uh, you want to just make sure that the agency has the kind of wraparound services that the kids are going to need, and don't be afraid to get the resources that you need to provide uh, everything that the kids are going to need. I mean, if you go on vacation, take your kids on vacation with you. I mean, there is this thing called respite that they have with uh, families, if they just need a break from the child, you know, but, you know, respite has largely been used for all the wrong reasons. If mommy and daddy want to go on vacation or want to go on, a, you know, a junket, they take their kids with them and they put the, their foster kids in a respite for a week. Mm. So the kid doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't, you know, get a chance to experience all the things that the entire family ex experiences as a family. And it, you know, it, it, it throws the kid off is that if he doesn't, he doesn't make them feel like he's not really a part of the family. So we went against the grain on some of those things and did what we knew was best for the child and really was best for all of us together. Right. Um, so just ask for the things that you need. Um, if you think a child, you know, needs, you know, extra stuff, you go to the agency and t tell them, don't be afraid to tell all they can say is no. You know, and then you just continue to state your case and maybe you'll end up with, you know, everything. The kid, we had a child that uh, was doing all the right things. He was going to high school. He had a part time job. He had a tough time getting to work because our hours were crazy. So we called the agency and said, hey, this kid is a good kid. He's on time. He's never in trouble. You know, he has no record, you know, um, He's doing all the right things. He's going to college in the evenings. He's still in high school. He's going to community college in, in the evening. He needs a car. They said, well, 
you know, we really can't, you know, do a car, but how about if we, you know, give him his some bus tokens? So he was able for three or four months to ride the bus for free anywhere that he needed to go that the bus operated. Wow. Um, but we didn't know about that until we asked for it. And then yeah. we said, well, he's doing great. You know, the bus is great. He's graduated from high school now. You know, he's got a job. He's working full time. But he's also going to college. You know, we've taken him and he's gotten, you know, his driver's learner's permit. You know, we think it's time for him to get a car. And they said, well, you know, see if we can find a car, keep it in this range, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you knew, he had a, he had a car. So you just you just don't be afraid to ask for what you need to get these kids moving in the right direction as if they were your own kids, because there are a a lot of services for these kids that people don't take advantage of because they just don't ask. Right. Kevin, this this conversation has has enlightened me so much on the process. I I was kind of coming into this blind. I have um, some some family that's adopted and I have seen sort of like the other side of it, but that sort of in between this foster period, I, I've been somewhat um, ignorant to what exactly goes on. And this has been really, really enlightening. So thank you so much for, for providing this information. I always like to kind of leave um, the, the show and kind of end the show on some words of wisdom. Now, if you mm. were to be speaking to somebody who is perhaps in your situation, you know, let's say, I don't know, like back when those three boys walked in and you were perhaps dealing with some of the, the hardest times in fostering kids, right. what words of encouragement would you provide them? If you have the time, if you have the space, um, just make yourself available, you know, Make yourself available to make a difference in the life of a child. Uh, that child is probably in that situation or in that predicament at no fault of their own. And all they need is a chance to have a normal a normal life as normal as possible. So get engaged, you know, find out, you know, if it's going to be a, a right a right fit, you know, for you. And if it's not, you know, make it a right fit, you know, for you. Uh, you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised that, um, that when you make yourself available for uh, what can be a life-changing experience for a child, those those lifelong memories will be ones that you just never you'll never you never forget. Right, that's beautiful, Kevin. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a, a great conversation. I really do appreciate your time. Awesome, awesome. Glad to do it, man. You're doing a wonderful job. I mean, this information is vital for uh, what we need to do for our for our kids. So thanks for providing the platform and. Uh, and in and a place for people to come and share and grab information about what uh, what we could do to make things uh, really really cool and uh, fun and safe for for our kids and for and for and for and for dads and and for, for parents too. Absolutely, we all need a little bit of an outlet and and oh, somewhere yeah. to to share this information. So and you and you've definitely well done. Well done. thank you and you and you've uh, you've done a job well done yourself. Uh, thank you again. This is tremendously valuable. Thank you again to our guest, Kevin Williams. It was such an amazing conversation. You talk about just like, what an amazing human being. <laughs> like the, the amount of patience, the stories that he has around just such a, a, a difficult calling to become a foster parent. Like that's, that's a serious, serious responsibility. And in many cases, he's really picked up the mantle of father to a lot of those kids. So, 
God bless you, Kevin. That's amazing stuff. And if you enjoyed what you listened to today, give us a five-star rating on iTunes and consider supporting the show. If you head over to thedadchronicle.com, there's a link to become a patron. We have a lot of awesome patron rewards to take advantage of, so be sure you check that out. And if you'd like to chime in on the conversation we had today, email thedadchroniclepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.